Zach has shared, this year at uh, the ENIAC Conference, we're focusing on signs and wonders. Uh, the ENIAC Initiative is a partnership between Assemblies of God World Missions and North Central University, focused on unreached people groups around the world. And so we're always talking about the importance of people around the world needing an opportunity to hear about Jesus, needing an opportunity to experience his love, uh, having the chance to have someone tell them about Christ. Uh, because we just know without Christ, what hope do we have? You know? And so it's just so important. So we're always talking about that. But in, in, in this conference, our theme is signs and wonders, in part because signs and wonders are so important in impacting people who don't have access to the gospel. And we're going to talk about a little bit more as we move along. Uh, but today we have an amazing panel here with us. And I'm going to ask, amen, yeah, praise God for this amazing panel. And uh, I'm going to ask each of them to introduce themselves, and they're going to share what does God's voice sound like to them. As we talk about signs and wonders, hearing God's voice is foundational. So you just want to hear a little bit from, a little bit from each, go, each guest about this topic. So if we can start off with Dustin and you just roll down. Here you go. How much time do I have? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. So I'm Dustin. I've been uh, ministering my family in the Muslim world for about 15 years. Um, you know, God is faithful, and uh, when when we get out of the way, um, God will speak. Um, and we're all here because we've experienced the glory of God in some extent. And experiencing the glory of God will always be a fearful thing. Right? Anytime we see it in scripture, the glory of God is revealed, especially in Revelations, is fear not, right? So when that moment comes and we've all had those experiences and it's changed our lives, it's transformed us. But I think always the enemy of that is then how do we recreate that? And that's where religiosity attacks us. But remember, our God is alive. And we just have to get out of the way and He is speaking. So Amen. Well, my name is Jarell Davis. I am a missionary um, to the island of Zanzibar, which is a small island off the coast of Tanzania. I'm currently stateside working in more of a mobilization role, trying to get some more diversity on the mission field. And for me, I think the greatest way that I hear from God um, is of course, through the Holy Spirit, at least in my life. And so often, I find myself thinking that um, the Holy Spirit is just there to convict me of my sin, um, when really the Holy Spirit is there to convict us of our righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. So that's something that I constantly am trying to carry around with myself and walk freely in the righteousness that we have in Christ. Awesome. Hi, I'm Carolyn Tennant. Um, I was here at North Central for about 30 years, and I was a prof, English prof, for 10 years, and then um, also in administration as vice president of student life and vice president for academic affairs. Uh, now I am um, doing things I um, totally enjoy in quote-unquote retirement, and part of it is uh, still doing a lot of preaching and teaching in many places and uh, teaching doctoral classes at our Assemblies of God Theological Seminary down in Springfield, Missouri, and I love doing that. And um, also writing books. Uh, as far as hearing the voice of God, I feel like um, I think about the verse that talks about if we are sheep, the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. And I think the more we get to know God and spend time with him, we recognize his voice. 
And so one of the best ways of um, getting to hear his voice is just spending time with him. So it comes to me sort of as something that is something I wouldn't make up. It's like another voice running through my mind and a l kind of a little nudge. Here's what I want you to do, a leading. I'm Art Thomas. Uh, I'm what they call a missionary evangelist, which means I live here in the States, but I do a lot of short-term trips and have preached in 20 countries. And um, I'm also a lead pastor of an AG church that operates as a house church network in the metro Detroit area of Michigan. And um, uh, as far as hearing God's voice, I, um, I like to say that you were created for relationship with God which means you're physiologically designed to commune with him. And so a lot of people are waiting for some otherworldly, out-of-the-ordinary experience, but really it's the most natural thing you'll ever experience. It's what you're made for. So we have the mind of Christ, right? God's, God's thoughts toward you outnumber the sand on the seashore. And it's not hard to find a grain of sand on the beach. And if you've got the mind of Christ, then the beach is in you. <laughs> so there are times when it's just a thought or a picture or a feeling or a knowing. And uh, at times it's like a vision or a dream. But, uh, but God speaks in diverse ways. And as the speaker, it's his prerogative to decide how he wants to communicate. I don't get to choose. But uh, if I'm listening in all the ways, I'll recognize when he does. Yeah. Amen. So good. Uh, I'm Siraj Thomas. I graduated from here last spring and I'm um, doing a little bit of extra school out in California now. And um, yeah, hearing God's voice, I really would especially like to echo what Art and Dr. Carolyn shared. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways that, um, that we can hear God's voice. I think some ways maybe feel more natural to us than others because we've practiced those more. But um, if, if I was wondering, like, where do I start hearing God's voice? I think um, again, to echo what Dr. Carolyn was saying, like, it, it looks like time with him. You know, I, I spend so much time in his word and just see like, what does Jesus' voice sound like? And you walk out of that place and you hear it throughout your day and you hear it for other people around you. I think a lot of people think um, the people who are operating in things like words of knowledge and words of prophecy and Dr. Carolyn will be like a super great resource to us on like what those things are and what those things look like in day-to-day -day life. Um, but I think a lot of people think, you know, we're hearing this super clear voice inside of us when a lot of times um, it is that still small whisper and it's our job to be still and to walk slowly and trust it and, uh, and, and just really realize this like connection of trust and intimacy that we've built with the Lord to be a real substantial thing in our lives that we can walk out and see fruit um, unfold everywhere we go uh, just because we were connected with him and like, you know, we're talking about his sheep, hear his voice. And so... It's this real expectation that we carry, that we walk with, and it's our privilege to, uh, to daily commune with him and continually hear his voice. Amen. I know we'd all like to dive deeper into this, and we plan to, but I'm looking at the clock, and so we're going to move into the next topic, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and how that is so important when we talk about seeing signs and wonders in our ministry, in our life, especially among those who still need to hear about Jesus. So I'm going to ask especially Dr. Tennant and Art Thomas to kind of talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and just reflect on its importance. Um, when I think about this, I think about Luke 24, and that says, but wait in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And that was Jesus' words to his disciples, and as a result of um, that, basically a prophecy from him, um, 
his disciples did wait in Jerusalem, and we know that in Acts 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it also says there that um, that experience is for us and for our kids going on for many generations. Um, going back to that verse, I think one of the things that's important about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is waiting on God. And also, you see those words clothed with power from on high. It literally is clothed. Sometimes um, in old time circles, they used to say endued with power from on high. We hardly even know what that word means. But in the Greek, it's literally um, clothed. And so I often say, you know, you know whether you're clothed or not. And so in the same way, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know it. There's a difference that is upon you. And there is a power that is upon you. You know, the, the power situation is interesting because that comes from the Holy Spirit. And I've recently just been studying all of that and realized that in the um, Old Testament, when Adam and Eve fell, uh, they actually decided to take, usurp power from God and control themselves. They basically said, I, I can do whatever I want and I'm going to take the, the controls and I'm gonna take the power. From that point on, power was warped. Um, and you see that even today, that people who aren't Christians, even sometimes, unfortunately, people who are Christians, misuse um, power. But here is a, an interesting verse that says, until you are clothed with power from on high. And I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit redeemed power, that when the Spirit came, he put power back where it needs to be, and that is in the control of the Spirit, in the control of the Spirit of God, of God himself. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit allows us to move in the power of God under his control, and it's absolutely awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, the beautiful thing about that verse where Jesus commands, wait here until you're clothed with power, it happened during that same 40-day season between the resurrection and the ascension as when he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So there's this command to go everywhere that gets trumped with, wait here for power. It's like, you can tell what a person's greatest desires are by what they sacrifice for the most. And what did God sacrifice for the most? The souls of all humanity. So you know he wants everybody saved and you know he wants us to go out and partner with him in doing it. And yet, he's willing to put that on hold for you to wait for power. I think, honestly, that this is... Uh, a, 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 like a gift to us. It's an invitation to be singularly focused on this one thing and not feel guilty for not busying yourself with ministry. Like, don't get out there busying yourself with ministry without power. And Jesus gives you permission to focus on seeking him for power because he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and then you get to go do it. The, the picture of, uh, throughout the Old Testament, I mean, you look back at creation, each one, of all creation, all the animals, people, it says each one shall reproduce after its own kind. And so when Jesus sent us to make disciples, he intended for empowered to disciples to reproduce empowered disciples. And unfortunately, what's happened in the body of Christ is you wind up with unempowered disciples 
who make excuses for their lack of empowerment, and they go make more unempowered disciples. And so we had to have this Pentecostal movement 100 years ago that, uh, that re-sparked this as, an, as a normalcy. And now you see the world's fastest growing uh, movement around the world. It's just the Pentecostal movement spreading like crazy as empowered disciples replicate empowered disciples. So it's vitally important to evangelism, vitally important to ministry in general. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. And it is so important. We're just going to spend a, little, a few more moments on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just ask that what about students and others who have sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit and maybe they haven't received yet? What kind of uh, encouragement and words would you give to people who have sought and they, maybe they feel discouraged? Well, I think one of the most important things is to remember you're really not seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're not seeking an experience. You're seeking God. And when you seek God, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to happen. It really will. <laughs> and uh, so my recommendation would be um, to wait. That was what Jesus said to his disciples, wait until this happens to you. And I would say that to you as well. As you seek God and spend time in his presence and seek his face, something is going to happen. It reminds me of um, Psalms, one of the Psalms that talks about how uh, David's saying that Moses sought God's face and sought to know his ways, whereas the people of um, Israel saw his deeds. And, you know, we shouldn't seek his deeds, we should seek his ways. We should seek to understand who he is and seek his face. So that's what I would recommend is that you spend more time with the Lord, um, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer and listening to what it is that he's saying to you. Yeah, and, and don't overcomplicate it either. Like I think a lot of times, I was mentioning this in a, a class we did yesterday, but a lot of times as we as Pentecostals, we love to share our experiences. Sometimes we like to make everybody know how spiritual we are. And so we use language about our experiences that are very, that's very extravagant. You know, I felt this electricity go through my body and I lost control and I just, this language bubbled out. And it, there are cases where things like that do happen. But I, I would argue with you, like when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, he came like a dove. When he descended upon the disciples, he came like fire. And whether it feels like fire or electricity or this gentle peace, it's, it's not about what it feels like. It just matters that it's him. So, so like, don't look for your experience to be exactly like somebody else's dramatic testimony that, that seemed so moving or so, in, you know, like, whoa, that sounds intense. Just look for him. And it may just be that he comes like a dove for you. It may just be a gentle peace. And as you're asking the Father, the one who wants to give the Holy Spirit even more than an earthly father wants to give bread to his child, if you're asking him for the Holy Spirit and you then believe that you've received and you shall have, as Jesus said, <laughs> then as soon as you know you've been clothed with power, there's a sign that is accessible in that moment, that sign of speaking in tongues. A lot of times as you know, we, we get into these altar call moments and we start seeking tongues and, and that's not it. Like this, this little flap in my shoe is called the tongue, but I've never gone to a shoe store and asked for a pair of tongues. The tongues come with the shoes. 
The tongues don't get you where you need to go. The shoes do. The tongue makes it more comfortable. <laughs> you know? We need power for the mission. The tongues are a sign that we carry a gospel for all nations. And, and if he can speak through my, my mouth in a language I don't understand, how much more can he speak through my mouth in a language I do understand? You know, if you wouldn't mind, can I just add one thing? Um, you know, going off of that, I feel like um, sometimes I've heard a lot of students in my 30 years here who uh, have spoken in tongues, but maybe they, I've only heard them say like a two, three, four, five words. And I would like to encourage you that it's a language. And in fact, there's other languages. There's different languages you can learn in it. In other words, you can go deeper. You can go farther. There is so much more. And so I encourage you, once you do get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you do speak in tongues, continue to use the gift of tongues in your own life, in your prayer life. And um, it's, it's amazing how much the language will increase. You'll get more vocabulary and um, even other languages to pray in. And it is just an amazing opportunity. So go farther, go deeper than what you have. Amen. Amen. Acts 1.8, classic verse, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And uh, we want to transition now, and I'm going to ask um, Dustin and Jarrell and Siraj especially just to speak to how uh, the signs and wonders and being empowered by the Holy Spirit impact ministry among the unreached. Whoever wants to go first. Sure. Did you, go Did you want to go? I, I, yeah, I had something that came to mind. I was interesting. I was overseas, and we were working with a particular group that had a like folk beliefs, you know, so they're more animistic than normal, like false religions that we're dealing with. And uh, I think someone just, they were trying to mean well. And so they invited to come do some dances and actually the venue that we were using as a church at that time. And during the whole, like this weird kind of like cultic, like dance thing that they were doing. I mean, I was just feeling very upset, like this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening like on our stage. I mean, if someone invited that into here, you guys hopefully would not feel good about it, right? So after it was all said and done, and you know, I didn't want to call out the people that had invited them to, you know, and I didn't say anything to the people that were there. So it was all done. So I waited till everybody left. And so then I went like, and I was on the other side and there was actually kind of a dividing wall. It was just an interesting structure. So it was a dividing wall. So you couldn't see the other side of the, 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 the seating. So I was on this side and I was just like, I, I don't know how to pray. So I started like rebuking stuff. And then I was like, ah, I'm just going to start praying in tongues. So I'm just praying in tongues by myself. Right. And you know, when you kind of get like lost in like whatever you're doing, like doing the dishes or vacuuming or you're in a book. Right. And so I got up and I'm just, just kind of walking around praying in tongues and I just wandered over this side and there was somebody sitting all by themselves and they were praying. But when I saw them, like I was so like in this moment of like, you know, praying in tongues and praying with God, it just scared the life out of me. I was like, I thought I was alone, you know, and this person's looking at me and I said, uh, I'm sorry, like, did you like, did you hear what I was praying about? Like, I'm sorry, I was, you know, speaking in tongues. And, and, and they were like, yeah, but I understood everything you were saying. And I was like, what? I'm like, what was going on? He said, you were calling out all these like demonic names and you were rebuking and binding these things. Like I understood the language. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, are you Pentecostal? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you familiar with this? Are you like, do you interpret tongues before? And he's like, I've never seen or heard or done anything before, but I knew everything you were saying. 
So I just, we just had this moment where we were kind of in shock and God was doing all these powerful things and never really intended it to happen. But then I just said, can I just pray for you that you would be baptized of the Holy Spirit? And I prayed for him and he spoke in tongues and we became best friends and we're still in contact today. So yeah, amen. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's an example right there. Signs and wonders impacting the unreached. Yeah. Siraj. Yeah. Um, you know, we call them signs and wonders. And, you know, I think like, why do we call them signs? You know, because they point to something, you know, like, you know, I've heard it said, like, you're driving on the highway and you're looking for the sign of the exit. And then you're like, oh, I finally found it. I've found the sign. I can park now because, no, you're, you're finding the sign that's pointing to the thing. That's where you're actually trying to go. So, like, miracles are important, but it's because they're pointing to Jesus, right? And so, um, and so it's not, of course, all about them, but they're very helpful in pointing people to Jesus, which is what we're trying to do, right? Uh, so uh, I was uh, in this really rural village in Pakistan, uh, just one of those things where like, you know, we're in the big city and then we hop in the, in the van that we rented and then we're just out three, four hours. And this is, you know, we call it like just the bush, you know, like there's nothing out there. Like, I don't know what kind of plumbing they're using or whatever. Um, but you know, these people are, they're coming hungry and we hold these meetings that we kind of like sneakily called like healing festivals or like gospel festivals. I don't really know what the word gospel means. Um, and they come thinking like, oh, you know, these people pray for the sick. Like I can come get healed. They have no idea that they're going to encounter Jesus and that's like who they're about to receive. It's amazing. Um, but I remember on one of these nights, I, uh, I was on the stage and this, this mother and her son come up to me. And immediately, like, I could tell like, what she was going to ask me for prayer for. Her son had uh, this tumor on his right arm, like around his shoulder area. Could have been a cyst or something. Uh, it was just, just huge growth. It was, like, it was like the top half of a baseball. It was just like sticking out like that. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm seeing this thing. And so like, let's, let's pray for it. So me and my buddy Jeff, we put our hands on this thing. And immediately, it just shrinks down and dissolves under our hand. And I'm thinking... Did you guys, did you guys just see that? You know, I'm looking at the mom, tears are coming down from her eyes. The kid is just like stone face. I, I think he just thought he was in a dream. I thought I was in a dream. <laughs> it was amazing. And, uh, and it's just one of those times where you're like, you're like, this is where you say something cool. Like, this is where you give your life to Jesus, you know? But um, I didn't say it like that. I said it to the translator who said it like that. But uh <laughs> And, uh, and it's amazing because, like, you know, these stories, they, they ripple through these communities, through these villages and things like that. And, you know, people come running, right? Why? Because they've seen this huge thing thrown up in the sky, this big blinking sign that says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth is here, and he's restoring people. Do you want to come too? And, um, and it's amazing that, you know, you see people drink from this water, that they didn't know they were always thirsty for, but now they know they'll never, never need another drink of anything else again, you know? And, um, and, and so these things, like, just like they did in the Bible, you know, these stories, they, they ripple through society. They ripple through, like, members of government, you know? They, like, nations are shaked. People are afraid of these, you know, what they're called, like, uneducated, untrained men, you know? And, and that's how I feel, uneducated, untrained. I mean, I, I went here, and I, so that's not a thing on North Central. Like, I'm, thank you for my education here. Um, but... I often feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Like yesterday in class, we were talking about Luke 9 and how the disciples were just kind of messing up in a lot of different ways. Um, and it seemed very clear that they just didn't know what they were doing, yet the power of God was following them wherever they went. Why? Because it's his promise to us that it will. These signs will follow those who believe. You know, so I like to joke, you know, people are saying like, you're always talking about miracles. I'm like, I can't help it, they follow me, you know? <laughs> 
Um, it's, it's part of what our lives were meant to look like. You know, Jesus says in John uh, 14, you know, anyone who believes in me will do these works in greater. You know, he, this is just the expectation he carries. Like, oh, anyone who believes in me, they're going to do these things. You know, not that they can. That's not what he says. He's just, he says they will. Um, and so um, I, I'm a huge believer in the power of this testimony and the story um, because I've seen what it can do. And, uh, and it's our privilege to like, partner with the power of God and see it just explode through communities, through villages, through our schools, through our cities. Um, and man, it, it's amazing what uh, even just one miracle can accomplish in societies of people. Amen. Hey, we're running out of time, but Darrell, if you would please share uh, something from Zanzibar, just how God has moved and touched the unreached, and then we're, we're, Dr. Kenneth's going to help us at the end. I'll be quick, um, but I just want to tell you a brief story about a man in Zanzibar named Cholo. Um, Cholo was a devout Muslim and came from a family of strong Muslim believers, and he was best friends with one of the gentlemen on our team who is, of course, a Christian. And Cholo said to him, kind of in a challenge type of way, I'm going to read the New Testament, and um, we'll see if God speaks to me. If God speaks to me at all while I read the New Testament, then I will denounce Islam and I will um, follow Jesus. And we hear this on the team and we're like, oh, you are in for something. And so we're praying and believing that um, the Lord's going to speak to Cholo. And he gets to like the book of Matthew and um, God starts to speak to him. And he reads through the New Testament in record speed, it seems like, and gives his life to Christ. And Zanzibar is 99.9% Islamic. Um, and so he, we knew that he was going to be up against a lot of challenges. And Cholo was not fearful of those challenges. He was completely persecuted by his family. He was disowned. His wife was forced to leave him. Um, she was pregnant and her family made her have an abortion. Um, but Cholo continued to persevere. His family then um, tried to trick him one day. And his brother called him and said, Cholo, um, I want to start reading the Bible. And prior to this day, Cholo had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we're so thankful for because Cholo's brother actually ended up kidnapping him. And they held him hostage for two days. They beat him. They brought witch doctors in. They tried to cast out demons on him. They tried to tempt him with women. Um, and Cholo stayed in the Holy Spirit. And he prayed in the Holy Spirit the entire time. And he says that the Holy Spirit came upon him so strongly that people were fleeing from the room because they were so scared and so fearful of what was happening. So to see the importance of the Holy Spirit um, in a context like Zanzibar, where people... Um, they, they hate Christianity, and they know Jesus, but they don't know him as the Son of God. So to see it firsthand was incredible, and um, Cholo even now is in the process of sharing the gospel with his wife. They are secretly meeting, and um, we are believing that she's going to give her life to Christ, and they're going to be able to be together. So... I'm going to ask Dr. We're, run a t we're out of time here. I'm going to ask Dr. Tennant to please uh, close us out as you feel. Um, you know, instead of telling a story, I think I'll just mention that tomorrow afternoon in my workshop, I'm going to do some things on the prophetic. And if I were to tell some stories here, it would probably all be in relationship to that because I work in that um, a, a lot. I, 
God's given me grace and gifting in that area. And so um, I'll, I'll save some of the stories till tomorrow. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of you are interested in that area. Lord, I just thank you so much for um, being with us today. And Father, I just pray that um, everybody at North Central would open up their hearts and lives to, to you, to see you, to see your face, to know you more. And Father, I pray that they would be filled with the Spirit, that they would be baptized in the Spirit, and Father, that there would be an overflow out of their lives, that they would so overflow that others would come to know you, that they would be um, drawn, non-Christians would be drawn to them, Lord, and that you would do um, signs and wonders that would point to who you are. And so, Father, we just open up our hearts, and, and I pray that for this next generation, Lord, I'm sensing that there's going to be a mighty revival that is going to come. Prepare them, Lord, to be used in evangelism, in signs and wonders, and to be used in your power and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.